Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall if you'd like. My name is Steve Cavendish, and you also have the ability to follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe. You know, just hug someone, hug someone you know, and tell them that you want them to listen to this show. Just ask for their Vax card first. Um, Kirk Herbstreet is our guest today on the show. Herbie, gracious enough to give us about a half hour of his time during a very busy weekend. Wanted to find out exactly what that Labor Day weekend is all is like for a broadcaster that has to do 47 my, jobs. My my man, my man was everywhere last weekend. <laughs> he was all over Sports Center. He was on every <laughs> single game. He was he was everywhere. And, and maybe his voice, uh, you could tell that that's what he was doing. He was, uh, he was, he was a little raggedy. <laughs> for five straight days. Also, he, he talks a lot about his personal life, uh, of course, going back. And, and he's got a new book out. So um, uh, excellent stuff about not just being on game day and, and being in sports, but a lot of personal stuff there. So that Nashville resident, Kirk Herbstreit. Yes. And again, that that's obviously we, we can't do a Nashville sports media and business podcast without Herbie. So uh, also a lot of stuff about the big picture about the sport of college football and a lot of great stuff. I think you guys are going to love that recommendations, of course, coming up after the interview uh, with Herbie. Also be sure to be checking out all of the other wonderful and amazing and spectacular podcasts on the 440 sports network. Of course, fringe element sec football every single Wednesday with Steven Godfrey, Aaron Dugan, and yours truly. Uh, we also talked to Kyle Tucker this week of the athletic covering the Missouri Kentucky game, a huge one. Uh, this weekend in week number two. Of course, the gold standard, your Nashville Predators podcast out every single Thursday. Adam Bingen still on baby duty, but I think we actually upgraded our host, which is hard to do with Adam. And Chris Mason was the co-host this week on the show, told a lot of great stories, uh, a lot of analysis of the players as they get ready for training camp. Um, so had a lot of fun talking with C. Mace. Always one of the best. Thank God Adam doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Actually, I know for a fact that he does. <laughs> um, we're, we're wishing you the best, Adam. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, also make sure that you check out the daily, of course, uh, every single morning, the 440 out at 440 a.m. Because branding uh, just kind of keep you up to date on all the, the, the biggest, latest news and in all of the sports in Tennessee. Make sure you check that out. And of course, club and country out every single Tuesday covering Nashville SC after a monstrous weekend in Nashville. Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan do a fantastic job. So club and country podcast out every single Tuesday. Our boys uh, had a little bit to talk about uh, about the media here in town covering the U.S. Uh, Canada game over the weekend. Some overreactions. I, I think they were a little too nice uh, when we get to recommendations here at the Ooh. end of of the show. Uh, I might be a little less nice, uh, <laughs> particularly in light of last night's four uh, one win over over Honduras in Honduras. Uh, you know, the, the overreaction about Canada seems a little ridiculous now. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that in recommendations. Yes, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Quite a final 30 minutes late on Wednesday evening. But man, it was a ton of fun. That is for sure. Herbie, Kirk Herbstreet, our conversation with him coming up in just a second. However, Lamestream Sports, Steve, is brought to you by... It's brought to you by Jaspers. It's always brought to you by the good people at Jaspers. You sounded a little bit like a Belmont professor there. Like, it's brought to you by Jaspers. It is, in fact, brought to you by Jaspers. <laughs> Jaspers has a good happy hour. And, in fact, they are the next evolution of the sports bar. Jaspers does, in fact, have all of the free parking. <laughs> They've got great drink specials. And we will have an announcement about Jaspers coming up a little bit later on in the show as well. So Exciting sure yeah. mid-episode Jaspers news. Please tune in. 
This is one loaded ass episode of I mean, Mainstream Sports. I don't know how much more we can promote things within this network and this, this actual show. All right. Well, well then, then let's stop doing that and let's give the people what they want, which is, of course, Kirk Herbstreet. So uh, right before we get to that, though, Steve, I know you had one comment you'd like to add, uh, one thought, one issue you'd like to raise as it pertains to Nashville media. Hey, you know, college football season is here. Everybody's excited. And the good people at Vanderbilt Sports Information managed to not credential some local media for the season. I, I'm 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 flabbergasted by this by this uh, the, the guys at the Nashville Post. I hope they don't mind me outing them here. I, I uh, never I never got my email confirmation either. Just for the record, so. the folks at the Nashville Post, after being credentialed for years uh, for Vanderbilt games, apparently were not credentialed this year because I don't know Vanderbilt doesn't need any more local sports coverage. I, I, I don't I don't know. Maybe I, they I, saw may- Saturday coming, Steve. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they were onto something. Maybe they maybe they knew what a what a horrifically <laughs> shitty performance the team was going to have, and they tried to hide it from other local media. But no, I mean, I I, I don't I don't know what more to say than Vanderbilt. What what the hell are you doing? I mean, when when local outlets that have covered a team for years all of a sudden can't get credentials to your you know to your games, and I get it that their excuse is going to be, well, we had to do put COVID protocols in in, in the press box, and maybe there was less space available but from what i heard from people in the press box there was space available up there so yeah i mean maybe credential every local outlet that wants it because your team needs more local press than than you can possibly realize i don't know maybe that's just me maybe Uh, maybe i'm overreacting no i I think that's a uh quite a fair reaction in fact um if, if you sort of struggle with sort of brand awareness within your market uh, maybe creating some content around your program, good or bad, would be a solid idea. That's all. It's you not. It's, it's not a crazy idea. Um, for for you to want to do that. Also, I, I do think Vanderbilt fans and, and need to. And, and I don't know how much Clark Lee. I, I sort of know how much Clark Lee has limited practice for the media, and it's 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 a little weird, but it's not crazy. He he wants. He's okay with people watching, but has very specific sort of things you can and can't report, which is not all that crazy. Um, but he, he he speaks in a different way. He sort of is a philosophical thinker. And I talked about this on the 440 on Thursday morning, if you want to go go hear a little bit more about it. But just don't, don't overreact to a single quote in a single tweet that you hear from Clark Lee. Don't tell me that the, the communication style is wearing thin after one game. You know, when you're 0-12, everything wears thin. So I, I just everyone's overreacting a little bit to Clark Lee being a little bit of a different talker. We want people to be honest, these coaches to be open and honest and thoughtful. And when they are, you can't hammer them. You can, you can talk about it, but you can't hammer them for it. So I don't know, just, just my, my comments on, on Clark Lee and Vanderbilt as well this weekend. So maybe allow people to cover your team. uh, And then to the fans, don't overreact to some comments made to the press. Okay. (laughs) It's <laughs> all, all seems very reasonable. Yes. Just some small nuggets of advice for the Vanderbilt community over there on West End. And while you're over there, go to Jasper's. All right. So Kirk Herbstreet, obviously don't need to introduce, introduce the guy with, with any, anything at all here. Uh, we talked about a whole lot of stuff and we are very grateful for his time. So here was our conversation with the great Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk, always a pleasure to see you, man. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of uh, your time on the show today. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to talk some uh, some college football. 
So first and foremost, we're talking to you on Tuesday afternoon. So just explain to everybody what your body feels like after Labor Day weekend when you are on the air like 14 different times for God knows how many hours. Try to take people behind the scenes on what your debut weekend looks like every single Labor Day. It's all, I mean, it's a kickoff to it. It's, it's awesome. Like you guys just to see starting Thursday night, you know, those stadiums full. And, you know, I, for me watching that Ohio state Minnesota game, I wondered to be honest with you, with this being such a political topic um, and depending on what part of the country you're in, you know, you get such varying opinions about COVID, how serious it is. And, you know, the fact that maybe it's for some people, it's not. And I wondered, will, will, will stadiums be, completely full or and then you turn on that minnesota ohio state game and it's like oh my god this is great look at this this is unbelievable and um that place was rocking and that kind of kick-started it and then to go all the way through the entire weekend you know friday there was action and then saturday uh our game day i'll be honest we 26 years of doing this th those labor day weekend neutral site games it's a little bit challenging sometimes when you go into an nfl stadium to generate a buzz on a college game day at nine in the morning for a night game. And this was probably the best opening weekend neutral site game day fan base that we've ever had. And I think that kind of is a microcosm of the whole country of what they did. It was an incredible showing energy. And we feed like, you know, like a, you know, like a, like a country artist, we feed off of, that that energy from the crowd and we came out even Davo when he came on the set he's like Ugh! I mean it was just like he had chills all through his body because he could feel that crowd for the first time in forever and so that's so your answer I'm sorry your answer to your question is that adrenaline that I get from watching something I love and doing something I love and then we go on the bus with the bear and, and my buddies and we're on there watching games till seven o'clock at night I'm right at parked right outside of the stadium there in Charlotte. And we walk in on the field pregame and high five and Dabo and Kirby and watching the teams warm up and what looking around like, my God, they're going to fill this whole stadium up, you know, and, and just so stoked. And then the game is not the prettiest, but it's super competitive. And then uh, the next day I flew to Atlanta and um, got ready to call, you know, Ole Miss and, and Louisville and, was just so impressed. I don't care if Louisville played a division three or if Ole Miss played a division three team, anybody who watched Ole Miss play defense last year and watched them play against Louisville, Malik Cunningham, still Malik Cunningham. You know I mean? They were hitting like Alabama hits. I mean, they were crushing people and letting a lot of built up energy of kind of like, screw you. We play defense too, not just offense here. And so, yeah, I'm tired or whatever on Tuesday, but I'm the last guy you need to feel sorry for. I get to do something. <laughs> I, I get to do something I love and have a front row seat to some of the coolest events of every week in the sport. So I'm, I'm a lucky guy. The political question is interesting to me because uh, it, you're right. It, it has turned political for, for some folks. I wondered what the production meetings were like and kind of what, what did you guys discuss about how to, about how you were going to, uh, how you're going to talk about it on the air? Were you going to, what were you going to bring up? What were you not going to talk about? Um, because it, that, that was the, that was sort of the thing to like, look at these stadiums and you know, you could see that on every broadcast, every broadcast crew was like, you know, college football's back and there's this energy to it. Uh, and I think some genuine excitement, but you know, 
I mean, there's pandemics going on and there's hospitals falling. So what did you guys talk about ahead of time? Honestly, week zero, there's a little bit more of some of that stuff, like, like you know, NIL and, and players' rights and some of the issues surrounding the sport. Um, it was a little bit more about that. We never were never really told on our show, hey, you need to say this about this topic because that's the company's line. So we're kind of going to stay over here in this lane. 26 years, I've never had anybody tell me that. So whenever we do talk about a topic, it's just, hey, here's the topic. Be prepared and have a strong opinion. As long as you're prepared and it's your stance and you believe in it, good for you. Like it's despite what you hear on social media, it's never, well, you know how it needs to be. So complete opposite, (laughs) complete opposite. So if you hear anybody on ESPN saying whatever they're saying, that's them. That's their beliefs. That's what they think. It's it's not the way that the media spins it towards ESPN. So I we talk about these things. Like Chris Fowler in our open, we're about to do Clemson and Georgia. I had no idea. I don't know if you guys saw our open. I had no idea. He he was kind of like you're saying. He was very excited about the sport coming back. But, you know, hey, let's kind of keep this in perspective kind of tone. And I appreciated that that was his perspective. And if we were sitting down over a cup of coffee and talking about the world, and where we are, I would probably understand that view and would understand people that had that kind of thought process. I'm standing in front of a sold out stadium and Clemson and Georgia just ran out on the field. So what I do, just me personally, I compartmentalize that thought and I'm more caught up in this is freaking awesome. And so that was my, so Chris had his angle. I really didn't know he was going to do that. And I had my own angle and I I didn't know I was, a lot of times I don't even know what I'm going to say. And I just kind of react to what Chris says, but um, I was a little bit, I didn't know he was going to say that. And it put me a little bit of a, am I okay to be happy about this? (laughs) Because I am, I'm really happy about it, but, uh, but no, we don't, we didn't really get into how should we handle it? And just left it up to each person uh, to kind of have their, their own spin. Uh, the, the book is out of pocket football, fatherhood and college game day Saturdays. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I think that's also, you know, Chris has earned it clearly. It's also what makes Fowler so great at his job yeah. is he can, he, he, he's the greatest traffic control man in the history of the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the business. And he can, he can inject that, that just tiny little bit of, of emotion yeah. and feeling he can do it in like six words yeah, or two sentences, and then get back, right back to where he needs to be, and that's always what made him. It made him great as a host for game yeah. day. Makes him good with you guys. Do, how many? How often are you surprised though by what he has to say? Does that happen very often? Where you're just like, "Whoa, wait a second! I, where where do I go here?" He's the guy that made me learn because no one taught told me this or taught me this. I just learned because he will poke at you. Like if you if you're not if you're focused on when I was really young. I was so scared about just my comment. I was focused on my comment when this is early years of game day. And I learned over time, I need to be listening to him because we don't go over in meetings, like how he's going to get to me or, Hey, cause impromptu moments are what make game day, game day. You know, like the other day we had a guy, a mayonnaise pouring on his head and Corso is going to say something, you know what I mean? It's just those witty impromptu moments. And it, that's, you got to really have your head on a swivel and listen. And Chris was the guy who taught me 
you better, boom, I'm going to jab at you and you better be ready. Otherwise it makes you look like a fool. So yeah, I, I'm, whenever I'm working with him, I'm on the edge of my seat, you know, as far as listening and, and you never know what might come. Not that they're cheap shots, but they're just, he's not afraid to keep you on your toes, you know? And, and, and I think that's, that's one of the gifts that he has, even though when I was younger, I used to get aggravated with him um, and, and a fun because he knew what would pull out maybe a, an opinion out of me or something I might've said in a meeting that I'm kind of tiptoeing around on set. He knew how to mm, stick me and he knew I'd kind of like come back at him and it made for better TV. So he's the guy who kind of taught me how important it is to listen the entire segment, not just for my comment. Do you think there was a, was there a noticeable advantage in, in games this weekend with fans in the stands? We were talking off air, uh, Braden and I were about, you know, the, the, the home field advantage and what Notre Dame probably felt, felt some of that uh, down in, you know, down in Tallahassee, there were certainly games that, that were maybe tech Virginia tech. Yeah. I mean, yeah. North Carolina probably <laughs> wishes that had been an empty stadium. Uh, <laughs> how much of a factor did you see it this weekend? I think it's back to what we love about the sport. You know, there's probably a three to five point advantage depending on where you're going now. Like even Penn State going to Madison. I mean, that, that was a that was a heavyweight fight in the middle of the ring. Two guys just swinging at each other. I think Wisconsin definitely had an advantage uh, of playing at home. Now we'll see how those two teams play out and how good they end up uh, being down the road. I think Iowa had an advantage over Indiana. So, and I think Minnesota hung around with Ohio State because of some momentum swings. Uh, in that football game. So yeah, in the Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Notre Dame battling, they're lucky they had a veteran in Jack Cohn to deal with that. By the way, sidebar, how great is it to see Tallahassee with a full stadium and Doak Campbell and, and them getting down and then fighting back? We haven't seen that in a long time, four or five years, maybe. And it was just something really cool night game with those uniforms, seeing Florida State. I was almost about that. I was tired, long weekend, like you mentioned. I was ready. Well, I thought it was, I thought they might hang around. Oh, well, I was just about to go to sleep. And then they just kind of, yeah, hold on a second. They just, and then McKenzie Milton comes in. The crowd was kind of like the 12th man believing, and they haven't done that. There've been half empty, forget COVID before that. It'd be like three quarters or half empty at that stadium. And now it was rocking. So yeah, I, it was cool. And it's back to now when you go into these tough environments, you better be ready because it's, it's definitely a home field advantage. Uh, when, when you talk about learning stuff and evolving through through being the host on game day, I know the big decision to put it on the road. I believe that was Lee Fitting that made that decision, correct? And and that that obviously took it from a studio show that was very good to a an institution that is now sort of a you know ingrained in our culture. It how was the preparation, the week building up to it? How, how has that all changed over twenty five years for you doing this? Like, is yeah. there any drastic changes? Well, the biggest change is when I first seven years I was on the show, the show was an hour. I mean, and now that's like a sports center segment. I mean, it was one hour. Um, I can't believe it was an hour. Then it went to like hour and a half or two hours. And then they, that third hour they'd put on ESPNU. We weren't on that. It was, it was uh, different talent that would host that show. And then it got to a point where it was three hours. I mean, three hours of content on a studio show, um, when we first did that was unthinkable, but I guess they game day was really growing. The ratings were really, really 
big and they just were like, well, why don't we, why don't we maybe expand it a little bit and see if we can get some of that rating out to go a little bit further, you know? And, and so that changed the game and how you do a show. Um, you know, do you talk about Ohio state and Oregon and the A's are opening comment? Of course you do. Now, when do you bring Ohio state and Oregon back? You know, do you do it? Do you do it 30 minutes later? Do you do it 45? Do you do it? Like what, how do you enter intertwine all these different games? You're at, one game, but there's another one over here that needs to be talked about. So I think the balancing act between how much time you give shows and or, or how much time do you give games within a show is uh, is definitely changed the game. And then I just think technology uh, has changed the game. We're trying to get this this different board with a kind of a coach's clicker, something new that we're kind of just kind of messing around with to see. I did it on my QB 21 series when I, I had Mac Jones and I had all these quarterbacks. And we were kind of having them kind of go up to the board. It's this massive, like 10 foot board. And it, it was such a cool look that we thought maybe we'll put that on game day and find a way to get a coach's clicker going. So we're hoping to do that. But yeah, I think, I think technology and then just, just the amount of show that we have and then, then the crowds that we were able to have. And, and we're not taking a bow. You know, I mean, it's nice that people enjoy our show, but I think if we were doing this show for MLB, and I'm a baseball guy, if we were doing this for the NFL and I, I follow the NFL, it's not the same show. You know, it, it's, it's college football. It's the passion and, and the energy of that sport mixed in with us trying to pick the right location, try to just drop us right in the middle of the biggest tailgate party of the weekend. And then everybody all over the country who's going to their own tailgate can like, live vicariously because they're going to a tailgate or they're at a tailgate. And it's like, man, it's just, everyone's just having a big party getting excited for the game, you know? And so that's, that's, if we weren't doing it for college football, we wouldn't be where we are. It's simple as that. What's, what's your short list of uh, places that you'd like to go? Well, we've really been almost everywhere at this yeah, point I know. after 25 years. I, you know, I, I, we haven't been to Charlottesville. Um, haven't been to Maryland. Haven't been to Duke. Um, Syracuse, we've not been to. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about it. Kansas. Think about maybe, some of those teams. Maybe a while on Kansas. No, no, they got a, oh, <laughs> hey, mean, they got a coach UConn, now, man. They got a UConn. coach now in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. They just had a huge win. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're talking six or seven of the power fives, I think, that, that we've not been able to get to yet. But, um, and we've hit we've hit a lot of even like D threes, you know, um, JMU and South Dakota State, and of course the Bison um, in Fargo at North. Dakota that reaction State. up there was just amazing. Oh, it was so cool! I mean, it, the, where they put the set, and by the way, it's a really cool town. You know, it's very modern and looks like there's a lot of money there. I think there's oil up there. It's a very very nice town. So all these condos looks like they were built two years ago all downtown, great restaurants. Um, what, and we put our set right in the middle of, you know, the, the two busiest streets. And so people are just having, it was almost like it was a county fair all around us. Yeah. People are hanging out on their condo uh, patios, had their flags hanging out over their balcony. And they were kind of, it was like being at Wrigley Field or something. They were just kind of looking out over top of the show, hanging out over the street. Uh, it's one of our favorite places that we go. It's, it's always a great time. 
Lamestream is brought to you by Steve. It's brought to you by Jaspers. Ooh, the old rope a dope. <laughs> uh, you know, I I, I, I saw like you. I, I saw you visibly recoiling, waiting, <laughs> waiting for me to scream something into the microphone. So it was very much a nutmeg. You're absolutely correct. You went right by me. <laughs> there's, there's no question about that. Um, we have a special announcement about Jasper's, our wonderful and amazing title sponsor on this program, and all hey, a couple of hey, other great shows. Hey, Titans fans, do you like good food? <laughs> then at now at Nissan Stadium, uh, the good friends at uh, Jasper's have confirmed. Uh, that they're going to be there starting this weekend in the club level sections. I think they're going to be near 219 and 228, which are the corners. And they're going to serve they're going to serve cola poppers and my favorite the the loaded uh, sweet potato barbecue fries and pot stickers. That's huge, huge. It, it, I, like I, I I don't think people truly understand how big of a deal this is. <laughs> so, I mean, so, so I mean, we'll, we'll, let's run down the list real quickly here, Steve. Epidemics in this country that Jasper's is addressing bar food menu quality. Okay. Got that one taken care of free parking. We've been down this list before happy hours and specials that masquerade as such Jasper's destroys that notion. They have wonderful happy hours and specials all the time. Now they're addressing bad stadium food. This is, this is, I don't know what else Jasper's can do for the community, Nashville. I don't know what else they can do. There are many complaints about Nissan stadium. Food is one of them. And now Jasper's is available in section 219 and 238 in the club level in the corners of the end zone. You can go get collie poppers at a Titans game. What 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 more what more can you ask of Jasper's at this point? On the one hand, maybe I'm just looking at thinking about food choices here. Maybe you have Hunt Brothers Pizza. On the other hand, you have you <laughs> oh, have that's me. Come on, you have collie poppers and 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 sweet potato barbecue fries. Come on. Barbecue. Come on, this is not. They would stop this fight if it, <laughs> if it were a fight. This is Tyson in like twenty-seven seconds. Is that what this is? This is exactly it. When you walk out of your section during a Titans game this season, and you think, "Man, I'm kind of hungry," and you uh, and you're going to spend ten, twelve, fourteen dollars on some food, why not get something that's actually worth ten, twelve, fourteen dollars worth of food? Get sweet potato barbecue fries. With it'll fill you up. It's delicious food. I, again, I don't know what else Jaspers can do for the community of Nashville. They're attacking every single single epidemic on the planet that uh, is food related and sports bar related. I'll, I'll say that. How about that? That's uh, yes, all of that. <laughs> Absolutely, all of that. Still have great, still have great specials and stuff over at, uh, at over at the, the location there on West End. Free parking, four to six p.m. Great happy hours. A couple other specials as well throughout the weekend. I think two for one beers on Sunday. So if you can't go to Nissan Stadium. Go swing by Jasper's, watch the game there, and get two-for-one beers. And if you know how much they cost at Nissan Stadium, it's really like four-for-one. <laughs> so, by, by, by the way, the beer, the beer specials do not apply inside Nissan no, Stadium. So no. please please don't expect that. No, they don't. But uh, great work by Jasper's and the Titans in Nissan Stadium to get them into that building because it will absolutely make your game day experience better. So when you're at a Titans game, you can go to Jasper's. When you're on West End, you can go to Jasper's anytime any day you can go to Jasper's because we love Jasper's. Well, you mentioned the passion of, of the, the fans sort of driving sort of the popularity of the show. And I, I do think you're right that in any other sport, it doesn't necessarily work the same way. 
but some of that there's like another side to all of this passion with the fans which is that we get we, we're so sometimes we're blinded by how much we love this stuff as fans of our favorite teams I, I'm, I'm curious and I've, and I've talked to Greg Sankey about this I've talked to other people like how do we create a better relationship between the media and the and the sport itself so that we can have I don't know if transparency is the right word I don't know if it's access to players there's so many great player stories out there that need to be told it what can the media and college football do better to create maybe a, a more transparent or a better working relationship in your opinion? I mean, that's tough. I think it's a case by case study there. I, you know, I think, you know, you, you look at Jordan Davis, for example, with Georgia, big defensive lineman, we just covered Georgia and there's a guy that it's six six three fifty. You would think, well, you know, let's get inside his mind and, Let's talk to him and see what where what his story is. And you sit down and you start to talk to him, and you're like, you're just blown away with how engaging he is and, and just what a really a sweet soul he has for just such a big dominating player. He's like a gentle giant, you know. And, and I think that speaks volumes of what you're you're talking about. Um and how that happens, other than the school participating and and being a willing, willing partner. You know, I don't I don't think we'll ever reach a point where Greg Sankey drops the gauntlet down and says, you have a right, you have an obligation to get these stories out there. I think they do the best they can, um, you know, whether it's you guys doing stories on all the different outlets you're on, you know, game day and different stories. We all try to tell these stories. It's like when I watch the Olympics, I'm an Olympic guy. My generation, we grew up, we love the Olympics, whether it's winter or summer. And a big part of me loving the Olympics is. I tune in and NBC will do a story on a swimmer from Stanford, who I don't really know anything about. And 45 seconds or a minute and a half later, man, I am like, I got my sleeves rolled up and I'm all in because of the story they just told me. And I feel like with college football, I'm all of us, we're so dialed in. We, we love everything about it. But there's a lot of fringe fans that like to hear the, the, the people side, the personal side of these these athletes. But I, I just don't know how, other than us asking and hoping that that they see there's a benefit there. I think most athletes, to be honest with you, Braden, I think they're trained in the bold Durham approach from the time they're in high school <laughs> to getting into college of, well, I don't trust the media. They're the enemy. I'm going to just, yes, sir, just don't say anything to rock the boat. Like that's how they're taught, whether it's their parents, their high school coach. Once they're viewed good enough to go play in college, just be careful with the media. So that's how they come up. And so then you, you're you almost trained where it's like the media is over here, athletes are over here. But there are people like us who, you know, I'm, I come in peace. You know, like I'm I'm here to, to let you shine. I'm here to let the sport shine. I'm not interested if you're doing something you shouldn't do. I don't really care. I'm just here to talk about you know, your story, your background, what you've been through and, and try to celebrate you. Um, but yeah, I think athletes and even PR uh, uh, departments, the SIDs, I think they're very careful as well. And so I don't, I don't think there's ever going to be this just carte blanche, everybody go do a good job because I think there's too many evil people uh, in the media and just in general, you know, that, that want to see people fail and want to see a, they want to they want to clickbait, they want to they want a story of something going somebody going down. There's a problem down, so we can get a click. There's 
because we live in that culture, if you're an athlete, I guess I don't blame you for being like, I don't want to be part of clickbait. I don't want to be part of cancel culture. Like, so I think they're very cautious with what they are willing to, to talk about and be involved in. Your book is out of the pocket football, fatherhood, and college game day Saturdays. Uh, I, I wanted to, I, I, it's a little bit of a process question because uh, you wrote this with Gene Mojahowski, uh, who's a, a hell of a writer uh, and from, from, from a long time back. What was the, how'd you guys, how'd you guys do it? And, and what was the, what was the partnership like? Was this sit down for a couple of weekends and just kind of sketch things out? Or was this a bunch of intensive sessions? How, how, how did it work? And, and what was the, what was the, the give and take there? Well, he, he has written books, as you mentioned, and I think he kind of basically took me by the hand and, and kind of showed me what the book would be about. His last book he, he wrote on Bob Stoops and he, from time to time would refer to, to that experience in that book. He approached me during about April or May of 2020, right, right really in the heart of, of quarantine. And I think he just found me at a good time willing to reflect and look back, you know, at my journey in my life. And it, it wasn't, I didn't want to do just a football book. You know, there's a lot of football in it. There's, there's a lot of, um, you know, my journey in broadcasting, how I got started and how I kind of caught some breaks and, and all of that. And there's some fun stories there and, you know, some stories as an athlete, I, I really look in the mirror. I haven't really thought much about my playing career. And if you ever watch me on TV, never, ever refer to my career. Or I, I always tried. I just, when I was a guy watching, I always hated listening to an analyst say, talk about himself when he's talking about the game that he's analyzing. So I never wanted to be that guy. And so I really kind of just, I keep saying this to people, compartmentalized a lot of my journey and a lot of my life, the hardships mainly. And um, so it was the first time I thought about that and being very honest with myself and my career, I think is very relatable for a lot of college players, being a five-star can't miss prospect, falling flat on my face and owning that, not blaming others, but owning that and saying why I fell flat on my face. So going from like, going to start for four years. We got this five-star number one ranked quarterback to, uh, he's a bust wasted. We wasted a scholarship on that guy. He's a bum for three years. That's a long time to be, to feel like a failure and going to see a sports psychologist when no one ever heard of a sports psychologist and looking over my shoulder. Cause I didn't want to lose street cred going in to walk into a, <laughs> a sports psychologist. So every time I go in there, I was like making sure my position coach or none of my teammates saw me. And I saw him for two years. And, you know, I know it's a hot thing right now. I was doing that in 1991 and uh, changed my life, changed my career around, allowed me to eventually become a team captain for Ohio State like my dad. And so I talk a lot about that very candidly. And But the real part of the story that I think most people be able to take something out of is just going back to being a kid. That's why it's football and fatherhood. It's through the eyes of me as a son looking up at my dad and what that experience was like, him being my hero, and then my parents getting a divorce, and that world kind of being turned upside down, dad remarrying, kind of disappearing for a while, my mom remarried, I stayed with her, didn't really get along with my stepdad, stepbrother, stepsister, I mean, it was, then they both got a divorce again, I went to eight schools in nine years, didn't have a lot of money, you know, it's, it's just, I'm not saying feel sorry for me, I'm just saying, 
we've all been through some trials and tribulations. And I'm hoping that I, you know, I honestly, Steve and Brayden, I don't know your guys' lives going back, but I got vulnerable in this book. I opened up my heart in this book, hoping that people like yourselves can be like, damn, you know, like I, my parents divorced or I, I went through that or I, I didn't know he he dealt with that. And, and hopefully somehow it resonates and people can relate to it. And um, that, that's really all I, I want out of it is opening up. Like I keep saying, it's not me telling people how to get through life. It's me just um, just talking about things that are really hard to talk about. I'm an introvert by nature, so I don't really talk about a lot of these things. And in this book, I did. And we've gotten a lot of a lot of positive feedback about people that maybe are going through what I went through as a kid or they're going through it now. As an adult, they're they're separated from their wife or worried about their kids. And you know, I talk about raising my kids. So the fatherhood part of it is me as a son and now me as a dad with four boys and trying to figure that out because that's a hard thing to do. Um, trying to raise kids, you know, in today's generation and everything going on, it's hard. And um, just kind of sharing my journey uh, along the uh, the entire entire way, really up to right now. And that's just on Woj and, and we appreciate your time. We'll let you go here, but that's on, that's on Woj to sort of know how to, to see what you're going through, see where your head is at and sort of pull that out. You sort of the same way Chris was doing that on set, right? Is that, yeah. is that just what he, is that his yeah. skill set in that, in that moment? And I'll be real quick to answer Steve, your, your part about how did we do it? So he came to, to uh, Nashville and we sat down for an entire week. He'd get over to my house at about eight or nine in the morning and he, we would sit there till about five or six at night. My wife would, we'd bring in lunch and not that we were grinding every minute, but it was just, we would hang out uh, Monday through Friday from about eight or nine till about five or six. And he would bring up stuff because he, he talked to like 50 people that know, have known me since forever. My high school football coach, uh, my high school baseball coach, my mom, my sister, some buddies of mine that I knew, you know, years ago. And he's like, tell me about the time when you were 10 years old. And, and I was like, oh, my God, how did you know that? You know, it was that, it was, so it was really bizarre experience to relive some of that. And I, honestly, it was very emotional at times to have to go through some of that and almost almost therapeutic. It was like I keep saying the, the, the Matt Damon and Robin Williams Goodwill Hunting, the first two times they got together, it was just like Matt Damon just kind of sitting there like, I've been through a bunch of these. I'm not talking, you know, and then eventually he started to trust Robin Williams and started to kind of, once you open up, it's like, brrr, just keeps coming out. And that was kind of, I think how, uh, well, just hugging you, you have to ask you Woj. it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. You guys should have Woj on and ask him about his experience with it. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Kirk, always a pleasure, man. We, we really appreciate your time. Obviously it's been a great first weekend. I think the, the sport is is um, we're, we're going to have a hell of a season on the field. And, and of course, you guys are just cruising right along, man. So thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck this year, man. Hey, you guys have a have a great fall. You're right. We're off to a great start and upsets are coming and arguments are coming. You know, it's right around the corner. So you guys have have a great, uh, great time this year. And let, let me know if we can hook up again. That was the great Kirk Herbstreet, of course, from College Game Day. New book, Out of Pocket, of course. Go check that out as well. A whole lot more 
about his personal life and sort of his upbringing. And I think a lot of things people probably didn't know about him. And I, I assume, Steve, and what we were trying to get at there at the end of the interview is what was the process like to for, for a guy to who's a great writer, to, you know, Gene Wojciechowski, to sit down with you and sort of pull all that stuff out of you. And um, obviously some interesting thoughts on the business and had a great first weekend and all that stuff. But um, and, and his interactions with Chris Fowler are fascinating. But really, the, the writing process is really fascinating to me. And, and, and he's not going to Herbie's not going to say this, but um, it, you know, it's interesting kind of to kind of flip around uh, during during college football season. The, there's a gap between the, the, the top and the and the bottom tiers of, of announcers in, in the NFL. But but by and large, you're getting the you're getting the biggest talent there. The gap between the top of college football announcing and and those middle and bottom tiers is enormous. And I and I found this kind of flipping around uh, a couple of different times. You know, you know, they were on a couple of different broadcasts, uh, and he and Fowler are so good together. Uh, they're so well prepped. Uh, it, it, it's just, it really is one of the best, it really is one of the best football telecasts out there. Uh, but the gap between them and, I mean, I'm not going to call out anybody on, on another network, but. Well, I mean, I'll, listen, I, I think Gus Johnson does a great job. I think he and Clatt are great. I, yeah. I think, I think Tessator does a great job. I think the Tom Hart, Rogers, Tessator Tessator being back in college football, yeah. I, I, I think has, he he's back to you can sort of see why they wanted to pick him for Monday Night Football. You know that thing went off the rails, but but uh, but there really is this just this kind of gap, and and in, in part it's because you know Fowler is just and Fowler is an amazing play by play guy. He is so smooth, uh, and he and he and Herb Street have obvious chemistry. They've you know they've done this as, as he was talking about. They've done this together kind of for so long. That they that they have uh, that they have this real this real relationship within the booth that's just spectacular. Well, and I know he he loves his tennis, right? Like, so I know he's doing you know, he he loves his uh, Wimbledon and his U.S. Open and all that stuff. But but he, the his, championships his Wimbledon. his ability to and again I said it during the interview and I, I think Reese Davis actually does this extremely well also, which is what makes that host role on game day so extraordinarily challenging which is you don't have any space or time to have any opinions, but they somehow manage to give you not only an opinion, but a nugget of information that maybe the other guys aren't going to give you. And they do it in a sentence and then get the entire giant massive aircraft carrier that is college game day back on track again. And it is an art form that, that Chris Fowler, I think uh, you know, mastered at a very young age. And, and you heard Herbie explain it. Even during a football broadcast, he still does the same thing where he can throw out that one little thing, that one little line that makes you think, that makes you stop, that makes you go, hmm. And then it kind of gets Herbie off of his balance and all of a sudden Herbie's alive and awake and ready to go. And so it's just I think I do think that that Fowler is is you know a huge part of this. And I think Reese Davis does an excellent job of that as well. So and and, and you get and you get the best telecast when it's not just when it when it's guys willing to to go at each other a little bit and and they're not and they're they're not thrown down in the middle of, uh, of the broadcast booth but but they are kind of jabbing back and forth and that's really really interesting and i wish more i wish well i mean you have to have talent to do that uh but you, you i wish more broadcasts were like that 
and 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 it doesn't have to be like every word is scripted, right? Even Herb Street said, like, I don't really have any clue what I'm going to say half the time when we go on the yeah. air. I'm just feeding off of him. And I, I think that, again, to your point, that's what makes a great broadcast. I, I think you can try to be too scripted and too, and sometimes it can end up being a little cheesy and a, and a little sticky at times. And, and like you said, there's a lot of, um, there's a, there's a handful of really good college broadcast teams, but there's so many games, Steve, that that's why it's, it's a little diluted at the bottom, but that's neither here nor there. That's a conversation for another podcast. So special thanks to, to Herb Street, of course, for giving us so much of his time after a really, really busy weekend. We do appreciate it. Uh, heading into week two should be a ton of fun. All right. Recommendations, Steve. And sometimes I, I, I sit down and I really have a lot I want to get off my chest and I want to take over and I have all these things I want to say when you do a show. But sometimes when you work with a partner on a podcast, um, sometimes they want to say a lot of things and get some things off their chest. So, Steve, the floor is yours. You can have all of the recommendations you want today on the show. <laughs> That's good. I got a, I got a few. So I so we'll, let's talk really quickly about kind of so the soccer media landscape. I actually think that the soccer media landscape in Nashville is not bad. Um, I think there's some very good reporters out there. Uh, I think Drake does a very good job for the Tennessean. Uh, you have you have Ben Wright at Broadway Sports slash uh, Speedway Soccer. Um, you have you have our own boy, Mr. Sullivan, uh, with Club and Country. Uh, and then you uh, there are a number of podcasts. Uh, the Club and Country podcast is really really good. Uh, Will Bowling and Tim Sullivan do a West very Bowling West Bowling. Although Will does a pretty good job too. Wait, no, listen. There is clear sibling beef between these two because I can't every, believe I can't believe I, know, I can't believe I, I went is, I went the wrong bowling there. Wes is going to hate you for this, but here's the deal: Look, their show comes out after Club and Country, and I'm not saying they copy the rundown from Wes, <laughs> but <laughs> but but Wes Wes and Tim do a phenomenal show. They record it on Mondays, and it comes out Tuesday mornings. And by the time I see Will's show go up, it's basically a carbon copy of Wes's show and their brothers. So I'm not saying I'm just saying. I'm just just saying. <laughs> Wes, they do they do a great job, by the way. What, what Wes and Tim, Wes and Tim do do a great job. In their show this week, they they had, and Wes is Wes is such a nice guy. I mean, <laughs> Wes is a very nice guy and significantly more professional than me. So, Wes <laughs> attempted to, and, and actually did uh, talk about some media that that he very gingerly said, you know they're not getting it. They're, they're, they're just not getting it right. And there, there was some overreaction about the U S uh, men's national team here by maybe some voices who don't know what they're talking about. And, and you could see this in the reaction and, and believe me, the U S is due for criticism after that game. The U S should have beaten Canada last weekend. They had a full stadium here in town. You, the, the, there was a lot of disappointment around that loss. However, uh, you know, it wasn't time to fire the coach. It wasn't time to to, <laughs> to, to burn things down. This didn't mean they weren't going to qualify for the World Cup. There's a lot of nuance there involved. And so, what I want to get, what I want to recommend to you is uh, the people that the people that I already mentioned. You know, Drake and Tim and Ben. Go follow them. They're great Twitter follows. Uh, you can find them easily. Uh, they they do good work. I want to give you three. I, I, I will say that I do say uh, we joked about Will, but I will say that Will and Lucas and Davey and those guys they they absolutely do pretty, they, they do absolutely. a good job. They do a good job as well. Yeah, but I want to give you three national follows that are or, that are just that, that have like that have the credibility and just the 
if you're going to, if you are going to follow the U S national team, you need to start with these people. The first one is probably the Dean of the U S soccer writers is a guy named Steve Goff. He writes for the Washington post. I've known Goff for a long time. He is one of the best journalists in the United States, full stop, not best soccer journalist. He's just one of the best journalists. He's a great guy. He is also, he is, he has been, he has the longest perspective on this U S team uh, of almost anybody within that, that, that covers them. The other one is a guy named Brian Strauss who writes for sports illustrated. Brian used to work at the Washington post. He's worked at SI for years now it is a fantastic journalist uh, and is just simply one of the best uh, feature and, and game day writers out there. And then the, and then the third one is Grant wall and Grant wall has used to be at SI left semi acrimoniously. There was some stuff written about it. If you want to go find that, but Grant like Goff has one of the, one of the longest perspectives on us soccer is as deeply sourced as anyone and has launched a Substack that is as good as any Substack uh, that I've seen out there a- around the U S world cup qualifiers. He's doing audio dispatches. He's doing post-game podcast analysis with Chris Winningham, uh, who is with Dan Labertard's group in Medical Art Media down in Miami, uh, and Landon Donovan. And the analysis is fantastic. They don't pull any, you know, they don't pull any punches. You, there's there's some there was some really interesting stuff on the pod last weekend about Weston McKinney being suspended, and they got into that. Uh, but he's also writing these like magazine style uh, post uh, post game stories that are what you would expect in Sports Illustrated or someplace else like that. He's also giving these these uh, audio dispatches from the road. These you know sometimes like five minutes, like hey, I'm you know standing outside the the stadium in San Pedro, in San Pedro Sula. Here, Sula, here's what I see. It's just fantastic stuff. But but start with those three, and then if any you know. And that will give you the perspective that anybody who is only kind of like coasting into U.S. coverage because the show happened to be in town here in Nashville uh, kind of happened to be. And, and, you know, if you hear the, hear them being ripped on radio and that's the only you know time you ever hear U.S. coverage on radio, go get a, go get a better perspective. Go get up. Go get a longer perspective. I, yeah. And I do think it's a fascinating dynamic. I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, and I and I'm look. We are not here to name names because that's not the point. I, I think what Wes was was getting at on Club and Country was that if you do not know, be curious and and sort of be a, a journalist, even lowercase J, and just sort of like dig into something that is new and clearly matters to some people in this market. I do find the dynamic difficult. Now, I I would have been one of those people that's not an expert but has clearly paid a lot of attention to it, right? Like I was calling USL games when they were in the USL. I I know. Like I know who Lebo Melodo is, you know, like I know who Rapapa Mensa is. So I, I, but I would put myself in the middle and I would say, look, I started when, when MLS to Nashville was a thing. I said, I'm going to jump into this with two feet because I love soccer. I don't know a whole lot about the EPL or La Liga or even MLS for that matter, but I'm going to jump in because now it's in my market and it's in my city and I care about it. And let's be, I, I just, I like soccer. So I felt the need to sort of I, I do find that there's a struggle to bridge the hardcore soccer fan and the new soccer fan and to make them both feel welcome with content on the air that is appealing to everyone. I think that's a very difficult thing to do when you're trying to grow a brand. Famously, the Nashville Predators had to like sit down and actually like give like 
you know, instructional courses on what icing is. I think Nashville, <laughs> I think Nashville knows a lot more about soccer when Nashville SC showed up than they did about hockey when the Preds showed up. So I don't think you have to do as much of that. You don't have to understand the difference between a four, three, four, or a, you don't have to know the difference between all that stuff to be excited about a product and, 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 and be curious to go find out more instead of just screaming hot takes on the radio. So, or, you know, doing it or as a Twitter column. or whatever, or, 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 you know, parachuting in as a column in a newspaper. I mean, right. Right. I, I just, I, I, I think that there is, I think that there's a lot better coverage out there and, and we're, you know, we're lucky to have, we're, we're lucky to have, you know, some really good people covering soccer here that I, I, I wish we leaned on them more in prominent positions uh, when the circus comes to town, like it did last weekend with the sport. Yeah, Cup qualifier. Yeah. yeah. I guess I, now that I'm thinking about it, like hearing you speak, like we have a really good hardcore set of, of media members there's very few that are sort of the quote unquote mainstreamers that also can do soccer. Right. I think we need more people. And I'm not going to say like me because I'm kind of in the middle. I think we need more people that are in the middle that, that just, you know, and I, like Kaharski and John Glennon are two, for example, that would be considered old school, sort of hardcore, true media, mainstream media members, but also have a deep passion and love and knowledge of soccer. So there, there needs to be more guys, men and women that are sort of in that middle ground that can, that can talk, intelligently about the situation but also make it appeal to a larger audience to bring people in it's a, it's it is a tricky balance to to launch a new sport so is that, it is, is all that, absolutely is all that fair is all that fair sure sure but uh but but again uh those recommendations go follow you know go follow Goff's work go follow brian strauss go follow uh grant wall and, and wall Substack. i mean I'm not getting paid for this, but i mean wall <laughs> walls wall has a paid version of a Substack that is I mean, it's worth paying for that you pay. For. It's like, it's like, yeah, I pay for it. It's like five bucks a month. So. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, a lot of stuff on the show today, Vanderbilt, let people tell stories, Nashville media work a little harder to cover soccer. Thank you so much to uh, Kirk Herbstreit for giving us some time. Jaspers, of course, is at Nissan Stadium now, which is quite an announcement for them and for people that go to Nissan Stadium. I'm fixed to say, much bigger, new, much bigger announcement if you're going to a game. <laughs> so go check them out. They're in the corners of the club level. You can get the collie poppers. You can get the sweet potato barbecue fries and the pot stickers, three of their best menu items at Jaspers, of course, because Lamestream Sports, Steve, is brought to you by Jaspers. It's always brought to you by Jaspers. Now serving two locations in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. For Steve Cavendish, at S. Cavendish on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me, at Braden Gall. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the show with one person. Hug them and tell them about Lanestream Sports. We do appreciate it. This has been the Lanestream Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network.